Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a teaching tutorial Thursday. That means Professor Greg Cosell is here and video class is in session Let's break down these wide receivers. There's a ton of them, again, which is one of the topics I will bring up with Greg momentarily. Most of you know this, but I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, classic journeyman, awesome temp job in my 20s. Now I got a bunch of media gigs, uh, uh, several podcasts that I really enjoy. Yesterday's Fantasy Feast was awesome. Loved the Even Money podcast this week, diving into some other sports, but also Joe Fortenbaugh's biggest takeaway betting the NFL this past year. And Emory Hunt was excellent, along with Stephen Che on the College Draft podcast this week as well. It's not just a teaching tutorial Thursday because we are three times a week in the offseason. It's also a winner's Thursday. I want winners. I want people that want to win. Look, I just like sending you guys free stuff. I, I, I just like giving you guys stuff that help grow our business. Whether you spread the word via social media, you take advantage of one of the sponsors, you subscribe and comment on YouTube, become a patron. Any of those things help us quite a bit. The Spread the Word winner, Terry George. He liked my post about yesterday's Peter King Ross Tucker football podcast on Facebook. Terry's actually a guy I looked up to a lot throughout my life. Terry went to Wire Missing, where I went and got a full scholarship to Temple. I remember when he was in college, coming to the weight room, and I thought, wow, that's how you have to lift weights if you want to be a Division I football player. He was serious about it. So uh, love to see Terry George Liking one of the posts on Facebook. Sponsor confirmation email winner. How about Scotty Enright? Took advantage of the discount over at Harry's. By the way, I don't even remember what the discount is at Harry's. I just know if you go to our sponsors tab and you click on it, it you automatically go to the URL and you automatically get the discount. So sign up for Harry's if you haven't already, but go through our website so you get the discount. It automatically You automatically get it. And then the YouTube shout-out, Scott Falk. 
F-A-W-K. Scott said that he started listening to me after my appearances on the Dan Patrick Show. Thank you, Scott. And he said I get him through all of his workouts. Love that. Love the fact that you're working out. Come on, Scott. You got this. You got this rep. Push through, Scott. You got this, Scott. Keep going. Love that mental imagery there of somebody listening to this show while they're working out. Get real excited, Scott, because it's Big Show time. It's Greg Cosell time. The Big Show. All right. He is the NFL Films Guru NFL matchup show does a terrific job over at fantasypoints.com where you can actually read Greg's draft profiles. Just make sure when you go over there and sign up, you use the code 21FEAST. That's the key when you go to fantasypoints.com is using the code 21FEAST. Greg, before we dive into the wide receivers, and there's a bunch of them and there's a bunch of discussions to be had there. Thought it was interesting. Mike Mayock came out yesterday and said he felt like Derek Carr had the best year of his career. Did you see that? You think that's a fair statement? I think it's a fair statement. I think one of the things about Derek Carr prior to this year that the tape showed was that he tended to be a cautious and risk three free passer. That he was not a guy who pushed the ball down the field. And at some point in the NFL, you have to do that. Now, I think you can help that with scheme. And I think they did a better job of that with their pass game design this year uh, with the Raiders. John Gruden did that and his staff. But I thought that Carr was a more aggressive thrower, pushed it down the field. There's no problem with the way he throws the football. He's always been a very good thrower going back to coming out of Fresno State. Uh, so I thought he had a really good season. You know, it's that same discussion you always have, Ross. We talk about that. We've talked about it at times. It's easy to say, oh, he's not great or this guy's not great. But you got to line up with someone. And Derek Carr is a quality NFL quarterback. And this was obviously a team that had a bad, bad defense. And now you're dealing with Derek Carr and that offense having to put up big offensive numbers every single week. And that's hard to do in the league. So let's dive into the wide receivers, Greg. You know, last year we talked about how it was a historically great class and there were so many awesome wide receivers. And now this year they're kind of saying the same thing. (laughs) So I, I guess the first question would be, Greg, with the proliferation of seven on seven, you know, uh, kids are playing seven on seven in junior high. Yep. And even younger, younger. And people realizing also that you're probably better off being a receiver than a running back these days if you can pick for multiple reasons. And then college is all being spread out, throwing the ball a lot. Do you think there's a chance, Greg, that this is more or less the new normal, that there's a ton of good receivers coming out every year? Yeah, I think there'll be very good receivers coming out every year. And just to make a quick note is – Almost every year, Ross, the two positions in which the most players are drafted in every draft are wide receiver and corner. And that tells you what the league is. You need receivers and then you need corners to defend them. So, yes, I think you're going to see wide receivers, quality wide receivers coming out every year because of the way the game is starting at a young age. So here's the next question. It appears to me 
like teams have gotten some really good receivers the last couple years in the second round. Oh, sure. And in fact, there have been several examples of guys in the second round that are better or perform better at least so far in their careers than guys in the first round, which then always brings up the question, Greg, of value and or evaluation. And are you better off waiting until the second round and getting one of those guys? Well, you know, I always struggle with that argument because then, you know, you can extrapolate that out as far as you want to take it with any position, Ross. You know, you could say that, well, you can get a quarterback with 199th pick in the draft, so why not wait till the 199th pick in the draft? I'm not a believer in that argument. I think you evaluate each player and you put them in the context of your scheme. Players often in the NFL at wide receiver put up numbers, which therefore makes people think they're great receivers based on scheme. And I think a really good example of that is Michael Thomas. Now, Michael Thomas is a very good receiver, um, but he's in a really good offensive scheme with Sean Payton, and that will lead to really high-level productive numbers. So I think scheme becomes very important with wide receivers because – there's very few transcendent wide receivers, guys that you just say, you know, there's very few Julio Jones, let's put it that way. Guys, you just say, oh, he can do anything in any scheme. You can line up, line him up anywhere, and he's truly multidimensional. There's not 15 of those guys every year, Ross. So it's very dependent. Production at the NFL level is very dependent on how a receiver is used. So let's dive into this year's crop. And heck, I don't know. We might have to do two weeks of this because it seems yeah, like there's could, a lot easily. of really good ones. Um, but we'll start at the top, Greg. Uh, there does seem to be some disagreement as to who the best wide receiver is in this draft. Was there a guy that you liked the most breaking these kids down? Yeah, I felt that Jamar Chase, and of course he didn't play the 2020 season, but I watched him last summer. I thought uh, his tape was really, really good. And I thought that he possessed all the high-level traits to easily transition to the NFL. He's got size. And when I say size, not Julio Jones' size, but he's physically built. He's got play strength, hands, body control, balance, burst, acceleration. He can run after the catch. He's physical. He's mentally tough. He's highly competitive. And boy, he'd, he'd beat press coverage in college football really nicely. And that's that to me is an important point because he's going to get press coverage. Uh, I really enjoyed watching him last summer. I think that he's a really strong prospect. Um, yeah, it seems that way. Uh, everybody, you know, it's kind of crazy, Greg, to think about the fact that he was clearly LSU's like number one guy ahead of Justin Jefferson, who just absolutely tore up the NFL as a rookie. I know, I, I know. And, and I mean, I think to me, uh, Jefferson's a little bigger than Chase. Uh, I think Chase has overall better traits. But again, now it depends on where he goes and how he's used. Uh, that is such a big factor in terms of putting up numbers. So, But I think Chase has pretty much every trait that you look for uh, other than big, big size in a, in a wide receiver coming into the NFL. And he, he was tough and competitive, and he really embraced the physical nature of the game. And I think that that 
that's something that's overlooked. I think, for instance, Michael Thomas, who's bigger than Chase, but I think that's one of the things that makes Michael Thomas what he is, is he came out as a second-round pick and was not viewed as a truly high-level prospect, but he is so tough, mentally tough, and physically competitive, and that factors into the equation. You know, I think most people believe Chase is the best. There's a lot of disagreement as to who the second best receiver is, and it's the two Alabama guys, Greg. It's kind of unbelievable. Like People go back and forth whether Waddle is better than a better pro prospect than Devontae Smith or Devontae Smith the better pro prospect than Waddle. Is there a guy that you think watching his video whose skills translate uh, more readily or easily to NFL success? Well, I think Jalen Waddle's fascinating because Jalen Waddle to me is very similar to Tyreek Hill um, in terms of the athletic, the explosive traits, how he can be deployed in the context of an NFL offense. He is dynamic at all three levels, short, intermediate, vertical. Uh, I think he's an explosive playmaker. I mean, he what consistently stood out to me, and I watched him last summer from 2019, and then, of course, I watched him this year. He only played, uh, I guess, four full games, and he did come back against, um, I think, in the championship game, but for limited snaps. But but he is so controlled in his movement. Um, he's so movement efficient, yet he plays at such a high velocity and speed, and that's rare. You know, usually guys that play at that velocity and speed – don't have that kind of balance and body control. But when you start thinking of how he can be deployed, not only as a pure receiver who can line up anywhere in your formation, multiple locations, but then you have the jet sweep element. You've got the orbit reverse element. I really think Jalen Waddell, again, you have to think of the offense in which that he'll be placed, but I think he's the kind of receiver that you could put in and move him around and He's a dynamic, explosive weapon, and we know, Ross, in today's NFL, that's what teams are looking for. Just out of curiosity, Greg, while we're talking about it, is there a guy that Jamar Chase reminds you of a little bit? I mean, you mentioned Waddle. You said similar to Tyreek Hill. Jamar Chase, six foot two ten. Is that like DJ Moore-ish? I'm trying to think who else has that type of well, body type. I would say stylistically, stylistically. He kind of at times reminded me of Steve Smith. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to – now, Steve Smith's shorter. Shorter. But I knew you were going to say Just in terms of competitiveness and toughness. Um, And I'm curious to see what Chase actually measures. But I thought there was a little bit of of DeAndre Hopkins in him too and his competitive toughness on slants, on shorter routes. Um, Yeah, Jamar Chase to me was, was a really impressive player on tape. Okay, let's get to Devontae Smith, the Heisman winner. Uh, What did you see from him? It seemed like every Alabama game I watched this year, he was just unstoppable. Yeah, and and we're going to get into this debate, and and, a lot of people are going to throw it out, and and that's fine. I'm not saying – I'm not making a value judgment here, okay? But he's 170 pounds. Now, people say, oh, that doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, you know, I don't know, Ross. You played in the league. 170 pounds is light, don't you think? It's very light. You know, it's funny. I watched a ton of Devonta Smith. I watched him last summer. I watched four, five, six, seven, eight games last summer. I watched all his past targets this year and seven full games. 
Now, there were numerous snaps in which he lined up as the boundary X, meaning he was the single receiver to the short side of the field, and he just got pushed out of the out of bounds. So I don't think he's not a boundary X. That's where 170 pounds means something. Now, that doesn't mean he can't be a really good receiver. Um, he's long. He's thin. He's silky smooth. He's a linear strider. He definitely showed a vertical dimension with his ability to eat up ground because he is six feet. It's not as if he's five nine. Um, he got on top of college corners in the toughest conference in America. I think he transitions more as a movement Z, a slot. Um, I think he needs free access off the line of scrimmage to open up his stride and maximize his vertical traits and his run after catch. Um but he's got a really lean, lean body. And I don't know what it means, and it might mean absolutely nothing. But he refused to be uh, weighed and measured at, at the uh, senior ball. And a, and a lot of people are suggesting that he that's because they think he weighed 165 pounds. Who knows? The point is he's not 185 pounds. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, I guess like He's 170. I don't know. Jalen Waddle's 180, 182. Jalen Waddle's a different kind of player. Right. We'll talk about that. Well, Jalen Waddle is more naturally explosive and dynamic in his movement. He's he's laterally twitchier. Um, so he beats is, press coverage by just juking people. He doesn't yeah, really uh, Smith more. is more of a linear strider. He's, you know. He's not tight. He's not tight in his core. You're not going to say he's not, you know, that he's got a tight core, but he's not, you know, he's not a juke guy. Um, now, he's highly competitive at the catch point. I mean, this kid's competitive, makes really tough catches. He's got great body control, really good hands. Um, there's a lot to like about Devonta Smith. Um, again, now it comes down to how he is used. In the NFL, like I said, I don't believe he's truly a boundary X receiver, which doesn't mean he cannot be a great receiver. So the next guy we're going to talk about, Greg, I never heard of him until this year. And then I would watch Florida games and it was crazy. Like he he reminded me of another former Chiefs receiver, Dante Hall, a little bit. They couldn't touch him. Like I mean, it was unbelievable to watch. Some of the moves that Kadarius Tony from Florida made this year. What did you see from Tony? Yeah, and he improved throughout the season because he didn't have a lot of experience playing wide receiver because he uh, he came out of, of Mobile, Alabama as a high school quarterback. So he's just gaining experience as a receiver. Um, now, he possesses outstanding lateral quickness and change of direction. He can run all those routes from the slot that require that, those pivot routes, those whip routes, those choice routes, juke routes, angle routes. I mean, he's got explosive quickness on those kinds of routes. He is a stop-and-start demon, um, and he has some electric run-after-catch ability. You know, he's got great agility. He was tough. He was competitive. Um I think as the season progressed, you saw him get more comfortable and his vertical traits came out. Because when I watched him initially, I was thinking, God, who's he like? And I thought of Randall Cobb. But as the season progressed, I said to myself, he's more, Tony's more naturally explosive with more straight line vertical speed. And I thought that really showed up more as the 2020 season progressed. How does he compare to Waddle? Because just watching him on TV at times, Greg, 
they were the two guys that looked like they were like the human joystick, you know, like you couldn't touch them. How does Tony compare to Waddle? Now, to me, to me, I, I think Waddle is just superior in terms of his movement traits. Um, but Tony's a good prospect. You know, it's funny. I, I've asked some people because watching him on those stop and starts and, and those slot type routes, I thought to myself, okay, how will people compare him to KJ Hamler, who came out of Penn State a year ago, who in some ways was very similar? And, you know, I think they're somewhat similar. Um, Hamler might be even a little more explosive vertically than Tony, but I think there's a comparison, a legitimate comparison to be made there. And of course, Hamler was a second round pick. You know, I'm just looking at it, Greg, and with Terrace Marshall, Rashad Bateman, Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore, uh, Amari Rogers. Uh, there's a lot of guys. Well, we're doing receivers again next week. We got to do receivers again next week. I mean, there's too many guys here. It's such it's a position you break down so well. We're already 20 minutes in. So we'll get we'll do receivers. And honestly, based on how many of them get drafted and how many of them are gonna go in the first couple rounds. You know, all these guys are going to be top 100 picks, so we should do them. We should talk about them. Oh, without question. There's going to be a lot of receivers taken in the first three rounds. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Greg, you are the man. One, two, three, four, five. I have six notes for intern Casey. She hates you, Greg. She hates <laughs> you. you. You you give her more and more work each week because I send her all these clips to break down, and we post them on social and on YouTube the next four days till Monday. Well, that's a good thing, Ross, isn't it? I know, I know. I'm just busting your chops and hers. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, Ross. There he is, Greg Cosell, knocking it out of the park. Or dare I say, punching it in the face. Which, by the way, if that happened this weekend, UFC 259, you win 100 bucks. Put a dollar, only a dollar, on either fighter in the main event. And if either one lands a punch, you get a hundred dollars, a hundred to one odd. You got to be kidding me. Plus, look, we got college hoops, conference tournaments coming up next week. Just make sure if you're going to make these things more interesting, you do it at DraftKings Sportsbook. Get that app on your phone, whether your state's legal or not. Get the app on your phone so you have it. Put the promo code in Ross so when you go legal, when you're street legal. You can get the discount. You can get the promo codes. Place your bet. Watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code Ross. Turn $1 into $100. If either fighter lands a punch, must be 21 or older, New Jersey PA only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. Sports for detail. Gambling problem. Go 100. Gambler. Ducks takes. Morning. Well, as usual this time of year, a lot of proposed rule changes that the NFL's competition committee is going to consider, including making rough in the past reviewable, reverting the overtime back to sudden death and tweaking both onside kicks and when coaches can be interviewed after the regular season. Right. Um, so, listen, I, I don't know how much time to spend on this because does it make a lot of time, Brian, to talk about things that probably won't happen? Right. That 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 to me is like we could bring on Mike Pereira or Gene Sterator uh, or somebody from the competition committee and we could have a whole episode one off season into proposed rule changes. Do I think roughing the passer should be reviewable? Absolutely. But I think everything should be reviewable. Do I think overtime should be back to sudden death? Yes. They never should change it in the first place. In my mind, you guys know how I feel about that. 
I do like the Eagles alternative to the onside kick, fourth and 15 from your own 25-yard line or whatever it is. Love that. And I think they probably should wait to interview coaches until after the Super Bowl, but it wouldn't happen anyway. They just do like phone interviews and stuff. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to wait. They would just be talking with people and then they would have the two formal interviews after the Super Bowl um, and then hire the person they want. So I understand the goal of that. I'm just not sure it would accomplish what they think it would accomplish. Takes. Got some news in Washington, including a co-ed dance team. And uh, the team is releasing linebacker Thomas Davis, who says he will sign a one-day contract and retire as a member of the Carolina Panthers. Right. I saw this Washington's doing uh, doing away with their cheerleaders after 50 years. I, by the way, was on a, two flights with the cheerleaders when we went to Japan and back, 2002, Osaka, Japan. I was on the plane with the uh, Washington cheerleaders. It's really like your only interact, really like my only interaction with them. Sometimes there would be charity things with uh, the cheerleaders from the other teams, definitely the Cowboys cheerleaders. You know, I don't know. Is this something I'm supposed to talk about? I mean, I see like Ian Rappaport tweeting about it. I see its headlines. Co-ed dance team. Okay. Sounds good to me. I, I don't know. This is the Ross Tucker football podcast, not the Ross Tucker co-ed dance team podcast. Uh, as for Thomas Davis, unbelievable career. Kudos to him. Uh, it's time. It's time. Uh, he 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 got everything he could out of it. Washington's moving on. Good time for him to retire. Congratulations, Thomas. Sort of like what I said about Kyle Rudolph yesterday, although Kyle's not retiring. I'll just say, Thomas Davis, how you draw it up. When the Panthers drafted him, that is how you draw it up. Ducks takes. Let's talk about the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, news from the team. They're going to save close to $10 million by cutting Gabe Jackson. Looking to trade tackle Trent Brown and saw former wide receiver Tyrell Williams sign a one-year $6.2 million deal with the Lions. And as you discussed with Greg, uh, general manager Mike Mayock says uh, Derek Carr had his best season last year. So if you look at like the franchise tag projected numbers for this year, and I tweeted them out yesterday at Ross Tucker NFL, $10 million is a ton this year. I mean, it's a $180 million cap. So saving $10 million by cutting Gabe, that's huge. You can franchise tag your running back like the Packers and Aaron Jones for $8 million. $8 million. The other teams are paying their running backs $12 million. You can franchise them for $8 million. Yikes. Yikes to the teams that paid their guys last year. Um, as for Trent Brown, look, you always have to be careful with big guys when you give them set-for-life contracts. Because big guys, everybody, but especially big guys need to stay motivated. And when you give Trent Brown $35 million fully guaranteed, it's hard to be as motivated. Tyrell Williams, smart move by the Lions. They don't know what's going to happen with Galladay. They're going to lose Marvin Jones to get Tyrell Williams and up to $6.2 million. I'm sure it's a lot less. And they get the speed threat that they want. I think they'll bring back Galladay one way or the other. And I don't know. Derek Carr was really good the year they won the, the year. Did they win that division that year? The year they were 12-4 and four or whatever before Carr got hurt with Jack Del Rio. Carr was pretty awesome that year. 
All right, lastly, the New Orleans Saints cut tight ends Josh Hill and Jared Cook. Saints are going to have to do a lot of cutting. By the way, uh, Monday's guest, and we'll actually post it Sunday night, Alex Anzalone, Saints linebacker from my hometown. He's a free agent. So I'll get into it with Alex, uh, a bunch of different things. What's free agency like? I didn't realize Alex just had a baby. Uh, But I just want to get his thoughts going into free agency. We'll talk to a guy a week away from free agency and what's going through his head. It'll be great. That'll be Sunday night, Alex Anzalone from the New Orleans Saints. As for Josh Hill and Jared Cook, the Jared Cook thing is interesting because he was going to be a free agent anyway. I think the idea was they're just cutting him now so he can go ahead and start talking to other teams. I wonder if this becomes a trend where more and more teams do this to let their guys be able to get ahead of things and talk to other teams. We will be having the second ever football feedback YouTube exclusive show where you guys come on the show just like this, just like Greg was on today, just like Brian's on. You can see me. We talk. It's awesome. Um, We'll be doing that next week. So last chance to subscribe to the YouTube page, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, and get your uh, comment in so I can give you the keys to maybe getting in on the football Feedback. Speaking of those emails, Bri, or those questions that we get on football feedback, let's get to one today. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. The email address is always ross at rostucker.com. Whatever you need me for. You want to advertise on the show, you want me for a speaking engagement or a Zoom or whatever, ross at rostucker.com. And certainly, if you take advantage of any of our sponsors, please do it. That way, you are automatically eligible to be the sponsor confirmation email winner and get one of these awesome press passes. But also, you get to ask me any question you want, for sure, and I'll respond to it. What do you got, Brian? Today's question from our newest patron at patreon.com slash rtmedia. It's Nathan Mood who asks, Hey, Ross, do you change up your blocking style depending on who's the running back behind you? And also, who's your favorite running back to block for in your career? So um, you do not change up your blocking style depending on who's the running back behind you. A lot of times you don't know who the running back is behind you based on the huddle. Uh, The huddle, a lot of times the offensive linemen are in front and they bend over the backs and skill guys behind you. And you don't even know, like in Buffalo, I don't, I didn't know if it was Travis Henry or Willis McGahee behind me a lot of times. You know, you really don't know. So you definitely do not change up your blocking style depending on who's the running back. Favorite running back to block for in my career? That's a tough one, Nathan, because um, I really liked a lot of them. Now, I never actually blocked very much in the regular season for Stephen Davis in Washington, but, man, he was a hard physical runner. So I liked Stephen. In Dallas, Emmett Smith was just so smart, so crafty. I always say he was small and he was slow, but he got yards and we weren't good. He was small and slow. We weren't good. And he still knew how to get yards. Travis Henry was just a ball of muscle. And McGahee was like a bigger Emmett Smith in the sense that he really had a great feel for how to be able to get, get yards. So all those guys jump out to me, Nathan, um, Good question. Love questions like that. 
if I had to say one, I don't know. We had a really good thing going with Willis McGahee in 04, but it's tough to say. I really enjoyed blocking for all those guys. Shout-outs to Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, Vision Comics with an X. Remember, okay, there's no Friday Ross Tucker football podcast, but you can listen to Even Money or Fantasy Feast or Andrew Brandt's Business of Sports was awesome this week or College Draft. So if you subscribe to all of them, you still have one all seven days of the week if you want it. You still have one all seven days of the week if you would like it. So we got fresh 30 minutes for you every single day of the week. Have a terrific weekend. I think we're done here. Not quite. What did I forget? Our, I think we're done here, sponsors. I just said them. You missed it. Did I? Well, same again. Yeah. They deserve it. You zoned out. Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, Vision Comics with an X. There you go. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.